It's time for Knox Talk, a behind-the-scenes look at the business side of college sports. Featuring Paul Sickman from Knox Sports and Brandon Parks from the Vol Network. Now for today's show. Welcome to another edition of Knox Talk. Today is Wednesday, the 21st of September, and as always, I am joined by my good friend Brandon Parks from the University of Tennessee on Rocky Dock. Good afternoon, Brandon. Hey, Paul, your, your, your head is so big right now. you got that big win on the road. Uh, backup quarterback comes in and saves the day. Um, I, I thought we might have to reschedule. You might need to recuperate after this past weekend. Well, I do need to recuperate, but that's because we won the game. Like we always predicted, Buddy Rowe, our teams are a combined 6-0. and uh, We knew that was going to be the case, right? We always knew we were 6-0. I think the last time that our two teams had been 3-0 and apiece was 1998. Why don't we just do that again? <laughs> It's been it's been a while, and we know where we ended up on uh, on that that special year. I'll take it. I'll take a loss to Tennessee in the national championship game. Let's go. Um, well, we're you know since both of us are halfway to bowl eligibility, I thought we would be a good idea today to talk about uh, where college football is with the bowl situation. And uh, you know, if the expansion came out of nowhere, it seems like we've been talking, 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 and then we kind of went away, and then blam, it happened. We got to twelve. Um, and and I wanted. I thought it would be a good idea to talk about how this will change the game for bowls. And I'm going to start off by just kind of saying what I think we think the scenario is, and then we'll kind of take it from there. The way I see it right now, it looks like if they do it right with the playoff expansion, there's going to be the bottom eight seeds playing each other in home stadiums. Uh, and those eight teams will knock off um, in one incredibly epic fun weekend of four playoff games uh it just sounds amazing to me and then a few weeks later there'll be a next round I don't, maybe they'll do it in back-to-back weeks but immaterial uh, the, you know the next week they'll have the next round which is now you've got a round of eight uh whether that'll be in home stadiums or not i'm not sure maybe that'll be in bowl quote-unquote sites and then you've got the round of four and then you've got the championship game. And so what you've got is this four weekends, and no other way to slice it, four weekends from December 15th to January 15th that are going to be playoffs. Now, they might be bowls. They might not be bowls as we know it. But that's right. four weekends that nothing else matters. Extraordinary television, made-for-television type playoffs. Um and the thought around the thought around playing on the college campuses, I think, is is huge because you you obviously have the weather impact. Uh, who wants to play in Ann Arbor, Michigan, in mid December? Uh, not uh, you know who who wants to play in South Florida in mid December? Um, but you've got to position yourself accordingly to get into that playoff to be able to achieve some of those goals. Um, but I, I think it was inevitable that we were going to move out to the twelve team playoff. Um, and, and I think it's time to do it. Now, as I understand it, currently it's set to take place in 2026, but there's also a movement amongst the commissioners to potentially implement it in 2024. And I'm assuming that's going to play right into some TV rights agreements and things like that. So yeah, I agree. Uh, uh, so I saw that. And, and so the question about the bowls, I, you know, the reason I bring that up those four weekends is because the bowls are worried right now that they're irrelevant, right? There's a certain number of them that are irrelevant. And I, I, I heard this take, and I, I, I would like to give credit, but I can't remember where I heard it, but I want, to, I want to echo it because I love the concept. And that is, is that a vast majority of bowls and sites 
to go to a preseason format. And, and the concept there would be wherever you finish the year determines how you get invited to that next year's opening day. And so you'd have 24 bowl games that would take place in that week zero and week one timeframe where you're going to a neutral site, your team hasn't lost, your fans are ravenous for football and the ticket sales are not a problem. The sites are fun. And I think the bowl games would be able to shift that. And then the idea there is that all those bowl games would do very, very well. And then you still have some postseason holes. You could have, you know, the, the group of five championship winners might play some runner-ups from some championship games that don't make the playoffs. I still think you, it, it, to me, do you like that format, Brandon? No, I, I like both. And, and in some ways we have a little bit of that now when you look at Atlanta for opening weekend and Chick-fil-A there at Mercedes-Benz has been hosting essentially a back-to-back home, um, season opening game. So there's, there, I think this past uh, a month ago, we played a Saturday game, then they came back and played, may have been a Monday game. But you, but you have got a couple of host cities around the country that do host some of these neutral site games. Uh, Dallas also comes to mind as another place that, that seems to be hosting um, in season, actually, in some preseason games. Uh, during college football season. So I, I like that. I, you know, and the other the other thought I had relative to what goes on in December than in January, and when we rolled out the whole playoff to begin with, the, the we were asking the same questions. Will the college football playoff ruin the bowl system? And it's not, it's not really done so. Um, now we're adding more teams to it, uh, and we may be looking at playing some of these games on campuses. Um, but I... Tell me if I'm wrong on this. If you're a if you're a seven win team that's happy to be going bowling and you're doing so near that Christmas holiday, New Year's break, uh, it's something traditionally a lot of college football fans have done over the years as far as following their teams to a bowl game. Do you as a fan, if you don't make it into that playoff, are you any less motivated to want to follow your team to a destination over the holidays? I think that if you had said, would a four-team playoff hurt the bowl system? I think we've heard the answer is probably not. But there's two things happening in play. I'll answer your question. I, I Yes, I do think it will hurt. Um, I think it'll hurt them a lot. And, and I think that uh, I think having a 12-team incredibly mega weekend of playoffs followed by another mega weekend of playoffs, I think the bowl games are in trouble. And I think that the second piece here is the whole NIL players opting out bowl situation is making it really difficult as well and I think that's where this you know my the concept that I heard this preseason concept where all these because I don't want the bowl games to go away I, I the coaches have always talked about it from their perspective they want a reward well if the reward is preseason it's still a reward they get to go to this city they get to get their gift they get to have an incredible time and they get to play a game but the game is meaningful there's no opt-outs and everyone's in so that concept is good but I, I still think yes there is room for some bowls uh, at the end, and I think that they could still kind of work their way around this 12-team mess that we're getting into, because uh, I love it. I love the whole 12-team playoff concept. I, I'm so sick and tired of the same four teams or five teams or six teams playing for four spots that we've been in for the last 10 years. Uh, I wish it was around in the 90s. We could have won nine national championships, but uh, but it's around now, so we don't. But I just I think that we've got to shift it up to make it work. Because to answer your question, no, I don't think the bowl games are, can survive the 12-team playoff. I, I don't think that the system we have now survives it. 
Well, and, and certainly those that don't offer a destination city, a warm destination city to go bowling in. Um, Cause there are a number of those bowl games that are hosted uh, in milder weather. Let's just say that. Um, yeah. The pinstripe bowl is a, it's just, can't be more fun when you think about December 20th in New York where it's snowing sideways. Hey, congratulations on a great season. Welcome to the that's Big what, Apple. Hey, that's what I'm saying, though. The real advantage if you're uh, Penn State or Michigan or Ohio State and you get to host a college football playoff round on your campus and take your weather elements into it, uh, that's a home field advantage. But, but to me, and I, I'd love to get your take on this, I probably enjoy as much of the September month of college football as I do any month that the game is played, even even into December and January when everything's decided. The pageantry around the kick, the kickoff to the season, the enthusiasm and interest that you have on a nationwide level, um, and then just just seeing all that play out on your campus. Um, to me, that's. That, that that's what I enjoy the most about it. And I, I agree. And I don't think, I think that's inarguable, but I mean, let, let me, let's look at some teams that, that lost LSU lost on opening day to us in, a, in the debut of Brian Kelly. Then they went home and played a, a FCS opponent, sold it out. And the fans were crazy. Yeah. So my point is, is it didn't take away. Right. I mean, LSU right. fans still believe there's hope you lose one game. The season is literally not over. I mean, in college football, that's the beauty of college football now. And with a 12-team playoff, that beauty is even exacerbated because you can lose a game or two, you know, or I guess if you're in the SEC, you get exceptions. You can lose three or four and still make it because you're in the SEC. <laughs> the rest of the country but, can but lose. You can, but you can, you, can lose, you can lose a non-conference game, still win your conference, and find your way into the playoffs. That's exactly right. And, and that's so that's why I think this early season thing is, is, is the way to go. I really do. I don't think there's – I don't think the bowl system, especially with opt-outs. I mean, it, you know, if, you, if you're a – let's say you're Central Michigan and you have a special quarterback and he, that guy goes all the way through and you're, you're you know, 12-0 and 0 and you're going to go to what you think is a reward and your quarterback says, no, nah, I'm, I'm going pro, I'm out. What is that team, right? I mean, that, the bowl season yeah. has been gutted by this opt-out. I mean, Florida played last year with like – seven opt-outs and so they were playing a game that they didn't even have the same team half their starters weren't playing by choice yeah yeah we we, we had we had impact in the music city bowl as well with players opting out uh yeah. to get ready for the draft uh it's at some point do you think if, if there are bowls that continue in the postseason play where those players those student athletes are then incentivized to play in some form or fashion yeah well <laughs> They're going to be – are they – they're going to play in the playoff games, right? I mean, they're not going right. to we, – we haven't seen a single player yet, uh, I don't think. Maybe I don't remember it. But no player has opted out of a playoff game yet, have they? Not, not to my knowledge. Yeah. So, and maybe in the era of NIL, do they opt out? I don't know. You know, I mean, you're – it's a whole different mindset for a player now than it was two years ago, five years ago, and certainly, you know, eight years ago. Uh, so maybe you have a player out there that is such a me guy that they opt out the playoff game. Holy smokes. But, oh my God. <laughs> right. But you're, you know, I'm we're talking about never, the, never say never, never say never. No, you're right. And, and to your point, you know, so if it's a bowl game and, and again, it puts so much pressure on the bowl revenue wise, you're asking a bowl game that is not a playoff game to potentially pay more money to the school to enable no opt-outs. That's what you're asking. So the sponsorship, which was, you know, 
two five is now going to be three five because we got to take care of Tim and Tommy and Jimmy and John who were thinking about going pro. Right. Yeah. I mean that's brutal. Brutal. <laughs> brutal. Does the let me go back to the playoffs for a second. Let me ask you this one question. There is already a significant amount of pressure that are on all of these coaches around the country. Does the expansion of the playoff create even more pressure for those coaches? Yes. How Especially those those that haven't been playing in it frequently. Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, the expectation is if you are, well, let's look at you. You're Tennessee. You are going to say that we are, in any given year, when we are right, we are one to six in our conference, right? We're going to be one to six in our conference. And we'd like to be two, three, and four, because right now it's hard to imagine being one today, right? But we'd like to be three, four, five, and six. Well, if you go five consecutive years of not making the playoffs, and you're the third, fourth, fifth, or sixth team in the SEC. That coach ain't going to be around. Because the, the the fan base and the patience level of you're not ever going the faith in that coach that they're ever going to get there, you're saying in a, in a shorter amount of time is going to. Yeah. I mean, we have right, right now, the, what's, what's unreal, what, here's about college. College football, you should have, and I guess every college sport, you should have a four-year lifespan. Every coach should have a four-year lifespan because you should have a chance to have the kids that say yes to you in year one become seniors. That's what should happen in any sport. It's probably a three-year lifespan realistically now with a two-year death sentence if you just just completely crap the bed, right? So three is probably when the fans get angry and four is when the patience all around runs out, which is probably not fair, but I think that's reality. And the, the playoff is not going to make it any better. Hmm. There's a reason you and I are in sports marketing and not coaching. That's correct. Well, yes. I, I, I've questioned that decision many times because financially, you and I, I know we're, we're loaded. We're independently loaded. But uh, <laughs> the good news is we haven't had to move, Brandon. The bad news is that we haven't moved because the trailer is stuck. Well, we, we do need that one golden parachute contract. Yeah, we haven't gotten that yet. Our contract here is coming. Um, we're going to talk about uh, VIP hospitality in a second. Brandon wanted to bring this back up, and I, I love this because, you know, we talked a lot about what we've done. I have a, a couple of funny stories that I'll, I'll, I'll give you in a second, but VIP hospitality in the college game is all about expectations to me, you know, and I think it's understanding your client. And we talked about some different examples, but I think one of the things that that we didn't say last time is when you have a client and you're trying to take care of them, you've got to understand what their experience has been. If they've never been to a game, then taking them to a game might be enough. If they've been to a million games and taking them to the suite or taking them to somewhere extra might be enough. And if they've been in the suite, they've been everywhere fun from a ticketing standpoint, then taking them on the field might be the answer because that's incredibly special. You get to see how big those guys are. You get to hear it. Everything sounds different down there. And if they've done that and they're a high level sponsor, well, then that becomes the road trip scenario where you got to find something that's completely different and unique to give them that they've never done before. Is that you your field, Brandon? Yeah, there's degrees, degrees of experiential opportunities. Um, and and we've got obviously some some big home football games coming up. And so that's it's on our radar right now where we've got partners coming to campus from out of town and we're, we're looking at different opportunities and things like that, that we can do. And, um, you know, generally speaking, it still goes back to 
that behind the team behind the scenes type of experience and it's talk about layering of degrees like what you're talking about so it's one thing for us to do a tour of the football stadium in mid-july when nothing's going on it's another thing to walk a group of people into that locker room when they're actually hanging the jerseys in the locker when the field is being painted with the orange and white checkerboard paint um and and so we're into that mode at this point in the year and i have just exactly what you said, probably the reason I wanted to bring it up is this weekend's the Florida game. So um, every client of all levels are trying to figure out how they get in town. What can they do unique with their customers? Um, are there unique experiences that, that they can have internally with their staff members? And so there are varying degrees of hospitality that's going on. And, you know, a larger client is coming in for uh, a private lunch on Friday uh, with our Voice of the Vols coming by to speak to that group. We'll take them over to Neyland after they have lunch with the private tour of the football stadium. Uh, we have a fair amount of guests that are coming in that'll be a part of uh, pregame hospitality with us. And then there'll be a select few of those guests that will go down onto the field during pregame warmups with us. Uh, and then there'll be a number of those that we that have tickets from us. Then they'll also have access to premium seats and uh, suites and those kinds of things. And so what's happened is that category as a whole, as we say hospitality, tickets and hospitality, that is splintered out into all of these different inventory assets that we now have at our discretion. And on a case-by-case -case basis, we try to come up with a strategy that'll be unique and special and VIP for each one of those uh, clients based on what they're trying to achieve how many people they're trying to entertain. Yeah, and it's, a, and it's not just about how much they spend. It's what what is their experience been? You know, some clients have maybe not be massive sponsors, but they've had the good fortune to do a whole bunch of things. And so you giving them that normal thing won't feel special to them. But it, and it doesn't always have to be, uh, it doesn't always have to be crazy. It just has to be unique to them. You have to really think about it as case by case basis. I was going to tell you, uh, this is not maybe on the same vein, but we, you know, I was this a long time ago when I was working for the local football team, I had taken a group of 20 clients up to, uh, on an out of town trip. So I had, I had 20 folks uh, on the team playing with me. We, we go to this other city, we have dinner. We had just gotten, our owner had just given us corporate credit cards for the very first time. He told us we have, uh, here is your set limit. And we said, great. And there was three of us that got these corporate credit cards, uh, the marketing guy, the ticketing guy. Uh, and the PR guy. So the marketing guy, this idiot is up there entertaining people. Oh, I, boy. I knew what the limit was, um, but I, so I take people out to dinner, we're having drinks and, and then, you know, dinner comes and at the end of dinner, the waiter comes up to me with the corporate credit card I had just given him one week old and he cuts the card in front of me and my 20 guests. He the, cut, server. The, the server. The server cut the card. So I take, I take him by the shirt collar and I drag him outside where I didn't realize it was glass and I start MFing him and put, you know, finger pointing in the chest and it looked at, it was a terrible situation probably for my clients to watch, but I'm like, I can't, well, it turns out our owner, he put a limit combined for all of us on this card and the, <laughs> and, the and the PR guy had been staying in the hotel advancing for a week. So he ran up the bill. The ticket guy put a whole bunch of tickets on the card. So by the time I got it, I had like six bucks left to entertain my clients. So I had to, uh, I had to tear my card. That's corporate hospitality as finest there when you're taking someone out and a group of 20 and you get your corporate buccaneer card chewed up in front of you. 
How about that, Brandon? Not just declined, cut up. Yeah, I mean, go go to the next level. Don't just yeah. don't just say, don't take me outside and whisper to me, do you have another card, sir? Go ahead and just chop that bitch up right in front of the whole class. <laughs> it was awesome. Um, one thing I was going to mention on this topic, and sometimes there's the old saying of having too many meetings and and thinking something through too much. And sometimes the most basic of ideas can be the most effective. Um, we had one in the fall during spring camp where our bank, our official bank, had 30 customers and clients come out and they attended the last 30 minutes of football practice. Mm-hmm. And you think about those football practices in fall camp, those things drag on for hours, feels like days. And after you've done probably 15, 20, 30 minutes, it's, it's probably enough time. Uh, but we worked it out with the school. So the bank brought the, the clients out to the last 30 minutes of practice. And then as soon as his practice was over, before he spoke to the media or anyone else, Coach Heupel comes over and basically takes 10 minutes just to do a Q&A with this group. And they did it in the end zone of the practice field. Great uh, one-on-one sort of an intimate setting with him. Uh, certainly in his element on the football field. Uh, and then we took the group up into the football complex into a, a room. We have a Peyton Manning room here uh, that, that has a lot of his memorabilia in it. And so we had a lunch there and had the recruiting coordinator come by and talk about football recruiting and everything that goes into recruiting on really a day in and day out basis. Simple concept, huge impact. Yeah, and I can I, imagine. I mean, but just the, the coach taking the time, they know that's not normal. They know when that happens, that 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 is special. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I would just say for for all the times that I have I have worked and worked and worked and gone through details after details after details. This was the one of the most simplest events we've ever put together and probably had as much impact, if not more impact on than anything I've done for the bank thus far. So sometimes it just proves if we just lean on our most basic assets and access and things that we have like that. Uh, it makes an impact from a client standpoint. It's not even game day. I'll give you another example of uh, something that didn't go as badly as the credit card uh, chew up. But I had, this was, uh, I I had taken a client I had heard from the secretary and uh, the other people that I was entertaining. I was entertaining the president of a grocery store. And I had heard that he and his wife were deeply Christian people and it was just fine. And so I had planned uh, a weekend. We, this was a long time ago when the Carolina Panthers were just coming into existence and the Panthers were playing their first games in Clemson Stadium. They were playing Memorial Stadium in Clemson. And so we went up there and uh, we t- I took him out to dinner. I uh, took he and his wife out to dinner on a, on a Saturday, um, or I'm sorry, on a Friday night. We had a whole weekend. And after dinner, he goes, hey, do you want to go out? I'm like, well, sure, sir, we'll go out. I, I didn't want to you know, say that before, but yes, sir, I'll go wherever you want. So we go to a bar and he orders shots for the table. And I'm like, let's go. And so we go up and we go on and on till, I don't know, late two in the morning uh, till it's time to go home. We got a taxi home. We go to the hotel. Well, I had planned for he and his wife, a whitewater rafting trip the next morning uh, because I wanted to do this. So and we had to leave at 6 a.m. So at 545, I'm in the lobby. And I call up to his room. I'm scared, but I called up to his room and he answers the phone and he goes, thank you for waking me up. And he, he shakes his wife and goes, let's go, honey. And they come downstairs. They get in a van that we had rented to go to this whitewater rafting trip. And he goes, would you mind making a stop? And we, I said, no, sir, I don't mind. And he goes into the grocery store and buys a 12 pack of beer and comes out and 
it's, it's go time for this guy. It's six in the morning. We've only been to bed three hours. And we did this before our whitewater rafting trip. And then we had an oh hour lunch, went out Saturday night. Sunday went had an unbelievable time. We ran down the hill, rubbed the rock, and ran down the hill because it was our game and not Clemson. Uh, and so brought him back. They That Monday, I called over, and his marketing director said, we are committed to as many years as you want to do something with us. Wow. How about and, that? And I and so I didn't want to tell him the story, but he goes, he goes, I assume that you took good care of them. He goes, sounds like they had a great time. I never told the story. I never heard another party story from that human being in my life. But sometimes you don't know what you're getting into when you take someone on a trip and it just goes your way. And how many days did it take you to recuperate after that weekend? More than him, apparently. Holy smokes, apparently. I need to go to his church. Wow. Awesome stuff. <laughs> awesome stuff. All right. Well, that's all the time we had today. I think I buried us, Brandon. I think I talked too much. But so thank you for all of our listeners today. Um, we want to talk about uh, the potential folks that our next and last, our next episode this season, which is our last episode of, of, of this season, uh, we are looking at potentially doing an open forum um, where we can have listeners ask us questions live in the session. So Brandon and I will get our stuff together, figure out a date that works, and we'll do an open forum and let you guys have a chance to work with us. And I think we'll probably, Brandon, if it works for you, go back to IP rights. That seemed to be the most popular subject that so many people wanted to ask about. So we it's might most, do an open forum. Most valuable asset we have. You got it. So we're going to be in the middle of football season talking about IP rights. So on behalf of Brandon Parks, I am Paul Sickman with Knox Sports. We thank you for listening to Knox Talk, and we'll see you again next time.